0: Subcutanean. This is a novel that changes for every new reader. No two copies are ever quite the same. This podcast is an unabridged recording of the version generated by Seed 01893. Chapter 11. In a flooded side room, half the floor had given way. Water cascaded down into consuming blackness, no lower level visible. I stepped carefully past the open door and the current rushing in, water sucking at my shins like it was hungry for them. I sloshed away fast up the hall, shuddering at the thought of that black pit. You fell into that thing. God knows where you'd land. Soon after, the hall began sloping gently up. The carpet went from wet to damp, and then, between one step and the next, dry. Up ahead glimmered a tiny spark of green, and as I got closer I realized it was a nightlight plugged into an outlet at the base of the wall. Something about it spoke achingly of lightning bugs and sleepy summer nights, and all at once I felt immensely weary. I fell to my knees when I reached the weak light and sloughed off my waterlogged pack, then curled up around the tiny green glow as if it were a campfire. My face snuggled into the brown whorls of the carpet like the fur of some huge friendly beast. I slept. My body did, anyway. My mind kept marching. I dreamed endless waterlogged halls. I trudged. I can't say I explored, because I no longer made any attempts to mark my way or track my position. I searched for nothing, found nothing, only wandered. When I realized I was dreaming, I tried to break free of the nightmare, think of anything else, but lucidity was slippery, fumbled away between heartbeats, and I kept losing it. I walked hallways lit only by my flickering blood-red light and thought of nothing that wasn't them. Once, in a long, straight hall of waist-deep water that never seemed to end, the surface ahead of me shifted, swirled. Something was moving underneath. I stopped short, squinting, and held my glow stick high. The ripples distorted and threw back its dim red light. But I could just make out something person-shaped under the surface, swimming towards me. The gun was in my hand. In this dream, I'd forgotten I lost it. Gripped by fear, I pointed it at the thing under the surface and pulled the trigger. But the shots went wide, from the angle of the water or some grim nightmare logic. Whatever it was kept coming. I pressed back against the wall. The thing beneath the water was doing the breaststroke with smooth, efficient moves. It didn't break the surface, and it never came up for air. Through the rippled distortions, I could see no face, but as it swam past, I could see it was wearing my clothes. It didn't slow down. I cringed back against the wall, cold sweat prickling my face, helpless to stop my head turning to watch it pass. It swam to the end of the hall and around a corner, never stopping for breath, leaving a wake of dark whirls and eddies. I woke with a parched, sticky mouth. My face was glued to the carpet with dried blood from where the piece of phone had cut my cheek. I tugged myself free, which reopened the cut. Wincing, I sat up and rummaged in my waterlogged pack for something to staunch the bleeding, still half asleep. I'd left my soaked shoes on, and my feet felt like they'd swelled to twice their normal size inside them. My glow stick had long since burnt out. The nightlight's weak, green glow reduced the world to a dim circle of carpet a few feet across and I was groggy, still shaking dream remnants from my head. So I didn't realize, until I started digging for a fresh glow stick, that someone was sitting a few feet away. I gasped and leapt up and back, scrabbling against the wall behind me. I could see only tennis shoes catching the green of the nightlight, and the faintest hint of a body in the shadows behind them, knees pulled up with clasping hands. Someone sitting with their back against the wall, faint green glints in two eyes, watching. I stayed there trembling for a moment, too afraid to either come closer or flee into the blackness back the way I'd come. I'd left my pack in the circle of light between me and whoever was sitting on the other side. I realized I recognized the shoes. Hesitant, I cleared my throat. Nico? The face was so shadowed I could barely make it out, but I thought it smiled. Hey, man. The voice was cracked, weak, but familiar, unmistakable. I stepped back toward the light. "'Shit, dude, you scared me.' He made no move to get up. "'What happened to you? We got separated and I didn't know what to do. Did you find the key marks I left? Jesus, I'm glad you found me.' I knelt and pulled a new glow stick from my pack, but he held up a hand. "'Okay if we just talk for a minute first, like this?' he said. "'I've been in the dark for fucking ever, and that thing will murder my eyes.' He lowered the hand. "'Cool.' It was such a relief to hear his voice again, I shoved the glow stick back down, along with a vague sense of unease. Fine, so what happened? Rather hear what happened to you. Tell me everything. So I did. How I'd waited at the bottom of the shaft, explored the water-soaked hallways. I told him about the call at the bank of payphones, but I left out the part with the gun, because in hindsight it felt stupid, and because I remembered he didn't know about the gun and I didn't want to mar our reunion by revealing I'd kept something from him. Something else, anyway. He didn't say much. The green glints in his head sometimes bobbed like he was nodding or cocking his head. But the darkness was fierce. All I could really make out were his shoes and the hands clasped around his knees. In the pale green of the nightlight they looked skeletal, emaciated. Disquiet crept into me, rising through the floor into my feet and up my bones. I couldn't see his face. I wanted to see his face. Hey, I finally said, this dark is kind of freaking me out. You can shield your eyes or whatever, but I've got to have some light, okay? He sighed, as if resigned. If you have to. I reached carefully for a glow stick, the same way I used to walk deliberately towards the light switch in my childhood basement, shepherding growing panic with a forced front of calm. I pulled one out, snapped it, shook it, blinked at the surge of blue light from mingling chemicals, and held it up, anxious, as the light crept toward him. The electric blue was shockingly bright, and he'd winced and held up a hand to block it out. He kept it there for a long moment as I squinted, pupils squirming. Finally, almost reluctantly, he dropped the hand and met my gaze, defiant. Something was wrong with him. He was changed, distorted. Something had leathered him, shrunken and withered his features, hollowed his eye sockets. At first he seemed like some poorly made copy, face a twisted parody of the one I knew so well. But then I started to realize what had done this to him. Time. Time. He was older, much older. I was twenty, remember. I hadn't been around long enough to see how age inscribes itself on people, crumbles parents into grandparents and invalids and corpses. I hadn't seen friends lose hair and teeth and muscle tone. I hadn't loved someone long enough to find out what decades do to them. The Nico against the wall looked twice as old as he should have been, maybe more. He was wearing different clothes, but out of his standard wardrobe, the bowling shirt with My Name is Bong on the lapel. It wasn't threadbare or faded. Something bulged from the front pocket, maybe a pen light, and his pack leaned against the wall beside him. He held my gaze, waiting. We stared at each other for a long time. What happened? I finally said. He took a breath, let it out. You can see what happened. He cleared his throat. I realized now he wasn't tired or strained. His voice was just older. So, yeah, I'm not your Nico, man, okay? I've been through more a lot more. I stiffened. You're the one from the other side? He smiled. Ah, you still think there's just two sides. Sure, of course you do. He shook his head. Guess that's how it seems near the surface, a pair of possibilities, neat. But deeper down, things get more tangled. The word sounded heavy in his throat, dangerous. What do you mean? I couldn't stop staring at him, at his face, and I swayed with the sick feeling of recognition and strangeness curdled together. There's a lot of space down here, Orion. A lot of possibilities. Most of them aren't good. His glance had drifted down the corridor, but now it snapped back to my face. My Ryan and I, we got lost. Long time ago. Real fucking lost. We, uh, never made it back. Your Ryan? I looked around, panic spiking. There's some older version of me down here, too? He looked away. No. No. After a moment, I realized he wasn't going to say anything else. And then why? His eyes flicked back to my face again, as if fascinated by it. He stared at me with something like hunger. At seeing my face again? At seeing anyone? "'Been on my own a long time,' he said, as if explaining. "Gotten used to it.' Suddenly, I couldn't accept any of this. "'Your clothes!' I shook my head. "'Your shoes! No, they haven't changed. They should be worn down to nothing.' He looked away again, out into the blackness down the hall. Like I said, a lot of possibilities. He cracked a knuckle. We weren't the only ones who got lost. Bumped into a lot of other Nikos and Ryans down here. Most of them dead, sorry to say. He cracked another knuckle, methodical. But the clothes are fine, man. The clothes fit great. He forced out a barking laugh, abrupt, cold. I wondered how many years it had taken his laugh to shrivel down to that emaciated sound. He sniffed. "'You get used to it. Stealing clothes, I mean. "'Stops being strange after a while. "'But how do you eat?' "'I felt angry, not the least because my skin was crawling "'at the thought of him grave-robbing other Nikos, other Ryans. "'If you've been down here so long, how the hell are you even alive? "'It doesn't make any sense.' "'He turned back to me again, no longer wistful, "'but with a dangerous sharpness. "'You've heard the phrase thousand-yard stare, "'but you've never really seen it. "'I believed everything he said next, no matter how fantastic.' The words were only flavoring on the truth in that stare. There's a room, he began, voice graveling. Not much farther down from here. Different from anything up here. Bigger. A bit bigger. That laugh again. Can't walk the length of one of its walls without stopping to sleep. Takes five or six sleeps to walk all the way around, keeping the outer wall to your left the whole time. Passing all the doors. He shook his head. Maybe a few thousand halls leading out, most of them slanting upwards, but only one goes back to the surface. The rest lead nowhere or in circles back to one of the other ten thousand halls. He took a breath. When you come into this room, though, you can tell something's different. The carpet ends. It turns to asphalt. He stood up suddenly, and I cringed back, but he turned to the wall and placed a hand on it. He drew his finger down, then over and around, drawing an invisible square, then drew invisible grid lines in it. Asphalt, he said. City streets, city blocks. huge grid of them. Suburban streets, crosswalks, stop signs, you know, what you'd expect. Lawns, but they're all dead. No sun, right? He turned back, leaned against the wall. And all the houses, he said, fixing me with that stare again, are ours. What? I couldn't break his gaze. He shrugged. Not exactly, not exactly, but all close enough. Sometimes the foyer's a mere image, or the front door's changed. Or there's one more bedroom on the second floor, one less. Or the carpet's different, or the wallpaper, or the kitchen's smaller, or there's no bricked-up fireplace, or the fireplace is bigger, or there's a fish tank instead of a fireplace. Sometimes maybe one in ten houses I can't see a difference. But I think it's always there. Not that I've checked them all. He laughed again. Did the math once. There's ten million houses, give or take. I've been down here a long time, but not that long. Each one has that upstairs porch room, though, he went on, relentless. Your room. And they're all filled with your stuff. Little variations again. Sometimes your bookshelf has a copy of Dahlgren, sometimes it doesn't. That one I always look for. But it's your room, and every house, and your bed. And under every one of those beds, there's another downstairs, as big as this one. And if you can find your way down, another huge empty city with another ten million houses. Each slightly different. Each slightly different than the ten million up here. And sometimes other Ryans and Nikos come up out of them, expecting to find the real world with people and a son and all. They're real fucking disappointed, especially when they wander too far and can't find the house they came out of again. Sometimes I'll meet them on the streets, crying, panicked. I stay away, of course. Can't get too close like you know where bad things happen. He pointed to his temples, and I had a sudden shivering flashback to that feeling of wrongness when my devil and I had almost bumped into each other. He looked away. Of course, they're usually dead by the time I find them he added lightly. But your question. Each house has a pantry, food. Every once in a while a house has power, too, lit up like Christmas and all that dark. And the fridge is running and cold, and there's lunch meat and milk and leftovers inside, unspoiled. So there's plenty to eat, just not a lot of, you know, ambiance. He stepped closer. I heard your gunshots. That's how I found you. Don't know what you were shooting at, but doesn't matter. You're not lost, are you? He glanced behind me, back the way I'd come. This goes back up, doesn't it? To the surface. The real surface. He closed his eyes. With light and birds and grass and people who aren't you or me. I can't tell you. He opened them again, and I wanted to shrink back, close my eyes, and pretend I'd never seen something like that in human eyes, let alone in his. That hollowness and pain and something else, too, something worse. But I couldn't. I could only stare back, cringing. I can't tell you, he said more quietly, what it would mean to me to find my way back up there. Orion, I can't stay down here any longer. I can't. I hope you're enjoying this audio version of Subcutanean, but this is just one way the story could go. Find out how to get your own unique version by searching for Subcutanean on Twitter, Facebook, Goodreads, or Indiegogo. And thanks for listening.